0: Welcome to Wine with HR, I'm Jules. Hey there, I'm Trish. Lawyers turned HR professionals. Through our company, Monarch Endeavors, we guide employers through their oh
1: shit moments with their employees. In this podcast, we will discuss some of the most common (laughs) and commonly frustrating HR problems while enjoying our favorite adult beverage, wine. So sit back, grab a glass, if you choose,
0: and join us as we think about and drink about all things HR. Welcome to our second episode of Wine with HR. We've got a fun topic for you tonight. Employee dynamics. Is your team dynamite or is it ready to blow?
1: That might be my favorite title ever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a good one. And we feel like we beat up on managers a little bit in our first episode because we were talking a lot about what managers tend to fail at when they don't manage properly. But one of the things we talked about is that we want to also give you the tools to manage in the most effective way possible. So today we're going to give you some of those tools and we're going to talk about more of the fun side of managing, which is working with your team, getting to know your team and building up your team. So Trish, you want to add anything to that before we get into a discussion of what we're drinking tonight?
1: I just want to reiterate what you said. Managers, thank you for sticking with us. If your HR leaders have turned you on to this podcast, I promise you that we won't be picking on you all the time. Um, these really are designed to help you improve as well. We all can improve every day. So hopefully this one you'll find fun and interesting and have some good takeaways.
0: Absolutely. We're not just here to beat you up, although we are <laughs> going to be frank with you when we need to be. So... Um, With that being said, before we get into the W-H-I-N-E of the episode, we want to get to the W-I-N-E. So, Tricia, what are you drinking today?
1: I have chosen um, an interesting little Cabernet. I stuck with uh, Cabernets again this week. 1924, it's a limited edition double black Cabernet Sauvignon out of Lodi, or is it Lodi? How do they say it out there? I always say Lodi because of the song. I say Lodi because of Ohio, but yeah. Okay, so we're going to go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is one of those really cool barrel-aged Cabernets. They say that it's like from the Prohibition era. This is the style of wine it is. And uh, after the first few drinks, I would say um, I'm enjoying it. What
0: about you, Jules? What are you doing today? Today, I am doing a rosé from France.
1: France.
0: Uh, uh, It's from the Côte d'Iron region, and it is called Belle Rouge, Uh, and it is quite lovely. It's very nice and subtle and light, and this particular uh, winery, M. Chapoutier, has been around since 1808. What? Yeah, so that's pretty crazy. That's super cool. So again, like you, I've had a couple sips and it's it's quite lovely and nice. So I uh, believe I will enjoy it the entire episode. Well, cheers to that. <laughs> uh, cheers to that. All right, Trish, why don't you uh, introduce our topic a little bit more for everybody?
1: All right. So getting to it just a little greater detail, we said, is your team dynamite or is it ready to blow? What we really want to talk about is teams where your working dynamic isn't that great. Maybe it's because your coworkers don't work well together or work at all. <laughs> um, maybe there's some talking behind the back or even sabotage, um, you know, where you have an employee who says, oh, this little bit of information would be super helpful. but uh, I'm not going to share it. <laughs> So, managers, we recognize you get frustrated, as do we, wondering how we can help our teams become more of a cohesive unit, gel a little more, get along, be human with one another, and of course, be more productive. So, We said, managers, at the beginning of the episode that we were going to give you some tools. I think you are really, really going to like the tools we're going to give you. Julie's going to give you the why, and we'll talk about the how the rest of the episode. Why is it important, Jules?
0: Yeah, so there's several reasons. You know, some of you may be wondering, why as a manager should I care about employee dynamics And relationships in the workplace. And we're not talking about the relationships that get people into trouble. We're talking about relationships with coworkers and being able to work well together. It all seems very touchy feely. And some of you are probably thinking to yourselves, we are here to work. So why do we have to worry about how everybody feels about everything? Isn't that the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do? And I can understand why you feel that way. And some of that, again, is lawyers' fault because. We advise for the 1% that gets you in trouble. Uh, And so oftentimes we have given the advice that, oh, well, you need to be a robot because otherwise if you know too much about your employees or you share too much with your employees, you might end up getting in trouble down the line. Uh, Again, that happens rarely. And I think sometimes we've gone a little bit overboard in taking that advice. And we don't get to know our employees enough because if you really want to get to know your employees, you need to understand what makes them tick. And that's part of what we're going to be talking about today. But part of the why was described very nicely in the uh, Society for Human Resource Management. You'll probably hear us refer to this organization a lot. It's SHRM for short. And they put out a magazine uh, every couple of months. So in the spring issue, they had this article called Why Belonging Matters. And it talks about how belonging is the fourth pillar of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that it is very important for employees to feel like they belong where they're working in order to be their most productive, their most efficient, uh, and their most engaged. And so, one of the quotes that we wanted to share with you right from the beginning that we thought really summed it up, and Tricia will come back to it later, is that in this article, they say that research has shown that lacking a sense of belonging at work can be more distressing to employees than being harassed. An environment where workers feel uncomfortable being themselves can create trust issues, diminish employees' self worth, and erode workplace culture. So, that's pretty deep and pretty pretty big for something that we might all think is relatively simple, this sense of belonging. Uh, But it's a little bit harder to create than it may seem at first glance. I wanna share a couple other uh, statistics from this article with you just as to why this is so important. They also share that in a 2021 survey by SHRM that measured employees' sense of belonging in the workplace 25% reported not trusting their manager to treat them fairly. 26% did not feel emotionally safe at work. 27% said their workplace does not clearly provide opportunities for employees to openly discuss issues without fear of penalty, punishment, or retaliation. And 27% did not think their manager encourages a culture of open and transparent communication. So that's over a quarter of the workforce that doesn't feel that they belong, that they're valued, that they're appreciated, or that they're respected. If you have a quarter of your team that feels that way, you're probably don't have a lot of cohesiveness uh, and are probably running into some problems. So those are some of the things, some of the reasons why this is such an important topic. And uh, so now that we've covered why this is so important, we're going to start turning
1: to some solutions. Before I even get to my first thought for a solution, I have to laugh. Julie, I highlighted the exact same portion of that article that you did. (laughs) I mean, I found that to be absolutely key, a quarter of the employees. Uh, I don't think, you know, when people say, oh, well, you know, it's in the 20%, that's so low. But then when you think about that as a quarter of all your employees, Then you start to go, wow, that's that's not good. So I love that we both were looking at the exact same stats. That's pretty awesome. So solutions. I am going to go with an easy one. How about this? Have a conversation. No. If you guys could see her face, she made the shocked face. Right. (laughs) It's have a conversation. Get to know your employees. Um, what do they enjoy? What do they not enjoy? Is there maybe something that they excel at? Where do they think they could improve? Does that align with where you think they could improve? Do they appreciate challenges or are they maybe one that stays away from those? Do they have any goals for developing themselves, right? So asking these questions and getting to know what it is that they want, what they desire, where they excel, can actually help give you better insight when you're creating your teams or even when you're assigning certain tasks. Oh, I know X employee loves to do this. So I think I will designate them to be the lead on this. Or maybe I know so-and-so doesn't like this, so maybe we'll take them off of this particular assignment if you have that luxury. And maybe you don't, right? I mean, we don't always have the luxury of saying we get whatever we want. And the cool part about this, at least as far as conversations go, and Julie, I know will agree with us 100%, it's not just about you managers getting to know your employees Have the same thing between employees, right? Employee to employee. Did they know anything about each other, right? Do they understand what makes each other tick? One of the most important reasons for doing this is once people see each other and they have some sort of a connection or a bond, then it allows them to trust each other a little more oh, okay, I know that that person didn't really mean that. They're probably just busy at the moment, right? So that can help. Or if they have a joint interest, then maybe they could form um, a particular group with subgroup within your particular department. So it really does allow your teams to work better, which of course then leads to better output for the organization. So it sounds like it's the easiest, but it also, I think, offers a lot of benefits.
0: Yeah. And on that point, Tricia, it reminded me of something we did at uh, one of the law firms I worked at, which was really cool because there had been sort of this feeling that the, you know, lawyers didn't talk much to the staff members Uh, about anything other than work. And people didn't really know each other or again, have this, we didn't call it a sense of belonging at that time, but didn't have this sense of belonging. And so we created this thing where all the partners got on board. So props to them. They would host a lunch with like more junior associate and two staff members once a month. And they would go out and the whole purpose of the lunch was just to talk to each other and get to know each other. There wasn't anything else, any other purpose to the lunch. It was just meet people you wouldn't otherwise meet. And so we kind of rotated. So you eventually got to meet kind of everybody in the whole company. It wasn't a huge law firm. So we could do that. But it was really cool. And people really enjoyed it because they would say, like, oh, you would always hear when they came back from lunch, like, oh my God, I didn't know that so and so loved to do this or that so and so is in a band on the weekend or, you know, like those types of things. And it it really does go a long way. I liked what you said about how then when people are sort of having conflicts, if they know each other and they know that they're good people, they won't be as quick right. to say, oh, this person intentionally is trying to hurt me or to upset me. They'll be more likely to say, oh, they're probably just having a bad day or even better reach out and be like, what's going on? Can I help? Right. So I think that's really important. One of the other things that is a great thing to do is to to find out where your employees are at. So there's this great book by Kim Scott called Radical Candor. And I love this example that she uses. She classifies employees as rock stars or superstars. Your superstars are the ones who want to climb the ladder. They have aspirations to keep succeeding to the next position, the next higher position, et cetera, et cetera. And they want to usually want to do it as fast as possible. So they're your superstars. (laughs) And then you have your rock stars who are just your good, solid workers. They're really good at what they do. They don't necessarily want to climb the ladder, but they are really, really skilled at whatever their job is. And her point is, you need both. You can't have all superstars because then everybody's at the top of the ladder and what's going to happen? It's going to fall over because it's too top-heavy. You know, you need people to actually do the work. And so if you have people who love to do the work, you capitalize on that. And you don't want to take a rock star who really, really loves their job and put them in a leadership position that may not be a good fit for them. So if you've ever had sort of, you know, like salespeople, this is pretty common. Salespeople are good at their jobs because they're people, people. They love to be out. They love to be schmoozing. They love to be talking to people. They don't like to be sitting behind a desk. You know, all of those things that make them great salespeople do not make them great managers necessarily if they have to sit behind a desk and run a bunch of reports. So we also have to kind of look at, you know, where is our employee at? And they may be a rock star right now, but they may be a superstar in five years. Maybe they have young kids and they're like, I can't handle anything else right now. So I just want to stay steady. So, okay, great. So they're a rock star. Check in with them again as things change because they might want to be a superstar. Or maybe they're a superstar now and later they want to be a rock star. And then I have added a third category, which is just kind of your rocks, which you generally have to figure out how to offload because they're just they're just taking up space and <laughs> not really contributing anything. But that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother episode. So we'll get to that later. Right now we're staying on the positive stuff. The only other thing I want to add to this before I turn it back over to uh, Tricia for some more solutions is that you need to also be cognizant of how your employees communicate. One of the things that was in this article about why belonging matters, they shared several stories from employees who never felt like they belonged. And one of them was an individual who had a stutter. And he talked about how everyone would finish his sentences for him just to speed up the conversation. Even if that's sort of, it's unintentional. I assume it wasn't malicious. But even if that's sort of a natural tendency, we have to really try to avoid doing that. There was another person who was on the autism spectrum and, you know, just didn't communicate in the way that other people did. And you have to strive to find ways because those people, we can't just discount people who have challenges communicating or who don't communicate in the ways that we typically are used to people communicating because those people have great ideas. They often think outside the box. They're usually a wealth of information because they've been sitting back and observing for however many years, you know, and we really need to find a way to tap into that. Uh, And so you have to do so with kindness and you have to approach it with respect, but you can ask like, how? what is the best way you would like me to communicate with you? And what is the easiest way for you to communicate with the rest of us? You can start to have those conversations so you can tap into everyone's potential and make sure that everybody feels that they're being heard.
1: Julie, I love everything you just said a couple of things. I really love that you brought in more of the article and, and what it was based around. I was so moved by this article and, um, specifically the person that you mentioned that was on the autism spectrum. I was doing a coaching uh, a couple days ago with one of our clients and they were having an issue um, with a particular employee. And I went straight back to this article and I suggested, hey, read this article. I've read it and this is what I think you should do for that employee based on what was in here. So I I just a little plug for Sherm, right? I have to say, like, I really enjoy this magazine and everything that we can learn. And you can learn something new every day.
0: Even those of us who have been at it forever.
1: (laughs) Yes, right? (laughs) Even those of us who have been at it forever. The second thing I want to piggyback off um, of what you said Um, I want to go into like the judgment-free listening. So we're telling people to listen to their employees. We're telling them to meet them where they are, I guess is the best way to say it. But let's not forget that when we listen, we have to be patient, like Julie mentioned. Account for someone's communication style, but also make sure that they feel safe to share with you. Make sure that they, not just with you as the manager, but within the team environment as well. If you can create an environment where all of your team members feel safe, they feel valued, they feel that they can trust their peers, then they are more likely to share their opinions, their thoughts. And the cool thing about that is that could really lead to some new ideas or even growth for the company. So creating an environment like that um, really does have, yes, we say this is a soft skill or, or whatever they call it, but it will lead to significant benefits for the company from a dollars and cents kind of point of view. I do want to go back to the article again that we were just speaking of and just drop one more little bit of information on you. There was another study that they mentioned where it said uh, there was a study by leadership development platform, BetterUp, indicated that belonging was linked to a 56% increase in job performance, a 50% drop in turnover risk, and a 75% reduction in sick days. So this is, yeah, right? I was blown away by that statistic. And I thought, you know, it does make sense though, because when, I mean, I, if you're not feeling like you're part of the team, if you're feeling like, you know, I hate to say everyone's against me, but in some cases, people do feel that way if they don't feel valued or if they're, they're just like, you know what? I don't fit in here. This just isn't my place. And guess what? They're gonna they're gonna leave, or they're gonna call F sick. Oh, wait—is this the quiet quitting we've been hearing about? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But seriously, when I was looking at the turnover risk, um, for those of you who aren't aware of the price of turnover um, within your company, I would talk to your HR professionals and and see. The significant amount of dollars and cents that relate to that, I think I saw one statistic out there that said for those who were um, on our introductory pay scale, so something closer to the minimum wage, if you lose that employee within the first 90 days, it costs something like $7,000. But if you have an upper echelon employee, it could cost the company $35,000 if you lose them in the first 90 days. So there's another another reason to make sure that they feel like they belong. Make sure that they feel like they have an impact on your company. So we're going to do a lot more about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and belonging um, in upcoming episodes. So I don't really want to go too much further down that path, but I do. Really want to encourage you to create some sort of uh, judgment free listening within your um, particular departments and hopefully within your whole company.
0: Think about just going back to that statistic if you could get 56% more productivity just by making sure people feel that they belong, it's amazing. You would be a superstar. (laughs) Right? Like, so again, it's, it's, And we say that like it's so easy, and it's not. It's simple. It's not necessarily easy to do. And so Trisha's been talking about creating these judgment-free listening zones, uh, and I'm sure many of you are saying, well, how am I supposed to do that? We have a really negative culture. We've got a lot of negative Nellies who are, you know, somebody starts to speak up and they crack a joke and make somebody feel bad. So how do we we actually create this judgment-free zone? Uh, So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. Uh, And then Tricia will have some tips as well. But one of the things is not to give up right away because changing a culture takes a lot of time. Uh, And a lot of times it happens in very subtle ways. But you as the manager have the most power in this situation. So let's say, for example, you're trying to have, you've instituted Thursday morning coffees. So every Thursday morning, you bring in donuts, y'all. your team sits down, you have some coffee and you just chit chat and catch up on what's going on in everybody's lives. And let's say that somebody starts to share something and somebody else cracks a joke or makes a snide comment or something like that. Instead of letting it go, cause you don't know what to do, you can just stop that person and say, hey now, remember, judgment-free listening zone. I want to hear what this person has to say, even better than what I just said. So sorry, because we do this on the fly. Is instead of saying, "Hey, we're creating a judgment-free listening zones," because then they're probably all rolling their eyes. You just stop them and say, "Hey, I want to hear what Trisha has to say." That from you is enough to keep them quiet and to let them know that that's not okay. So it's really just about redirecting the behavior, and you can do it in a way that doesn't call that person out. You're not shaming them in front of everybody. You're just saying, I want to hear what this person has to say. It's important to me to know what they have to say. And then if you do that a few times, people will start to do that as well. Some other things you can do, you know, reinforce the behavior. If you see people doing that, say, don't be afraid to compliment them. Walk up to them afterwards and say, I saw what you did there and that was really great. I really like the way that you listened to what." so-and-so had to say, and that you took the time to ask them how they were doing in regards to something they had brought up the week before. Uh, you know, you'll be able to tell if your team is gelling. The other thing you can do is do something like we did at my law firm, you know, challenge everybody to go to lunch with everybody else on the team, one-on-one. Let them have a conversation, just get to know each other on a person-to-person basis give them some time away, even pay for the lunch. It's a small price to pay to get 56% more productivity and 76% less sick days or whatever that stat was. You know, these are very little things that you can do to, basically you're growing a community of your own. Your team is your community and the closer and tighter knit you are as a community, the better that you're gonna do. Tricia, do you have any
1: other tips based on what I was talking about? I was still going with that um, donuts that you mentioned and <laughs> <laughs> happy hour. <laughs> Who um, doesn't love donuts? <laughs> wait, donuts and happy hour. Let's do a, a virtual cheers to that. Cheers. cheers. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, you know, um, I do have to say that I, I loved what you said about reinforcing the behavior, but more importantly, when you jump in and stop someone. I think that you really hit the nail on the head when you said, wait, let me say that even better. You may not say it right the first time. It may You may not even say it right the second time, right? But the mm-hmm. important part is to keep reiterating the fact that you want to make this a judgment-free listening area, that you care about what everybody has to say. And so, you know, if you feel like you messed up, if you feel like you didn't say it right, if you think that maybe you hurt the feelings of the person you were speaking to and, um, you know, pull them aside later and, and admit to them, like, I probably could have handled that better. I didn't say it maybe the way I should have, but it's really important to me that we give everyone a chance. And so I just kind of vomited all over you. I am so sorry. That type of thing. It, being able to admit that maybe you're not perfect as a manager, I think is super helpful as well.
0: I also think, you know, there may be some managers out there who maybe have had the same team for 20 years and they're thinking, I can't change anything. You know, <laughs> we've been doing this for 20 years. Everybody's set in stone and whatever. You can always make changes. You can always go back. We, And I tell people this in our seminars all the time. You can always go back and go, you know what? I listened to this great podcast with these two really cool chicks who were drinking wine and spilling the tea about HR. And they had some really great ideas. And we all know that our team culture is not the best and we can change it. Love that! Like, let's change it. You know, you can always do that. You can just go to people. People appreciate that kind of honesty. They appreciate the acknowledgement that like, instead of just ignoring the fact that things aren't great, you've acknowledged it and said, let's do something about it. And then getting their input. How are we going to change it? What do you want it to look like? Uh, How are we going to support each other better moving forward? You can have conversations about all of that kind of stuff and then get a plan together and then follow through on it because that's always the most important thing. Uh, People want to see results. But you can start that at any time. It doesn't matter how long you've been at it. It doesn't matter how long the employees have been there. You can always change things if they need to be changed.
1: Yeah, it's never too late or too early. I 100% agree with that. I also... You know, based on what you just said, thought of another thing I want to throw in here for like a helpful tip. Have you ever heard it said that the less you say, the more you are going to allow others define who you are and what you'll accept in the workplace? I've heard that a lot recently. And I thought about that and I thought, you know what? This could go even beyond managers. If if HR professionals or managers have their employees listen to this podcast, I would want them to know the same thing. Like you need to, I don't want to just talk to talk, right? That's not what I'm saying. We, what we're talking about value here, but you, you have to know what kind of person you are, what kind of leader you are, what kind of employee you are, and then let everyone else know who that is And then let your actions and your business actions reflect that. Encourage others. So managers, encourage your employees. If we're talking to employees, I would say encourage your peers, right? And encourage everyone to really get to know each person as an individual.
0: Absolutely. When you were talking, you made me think of an experience I had when I was first starting out as as a lawyer, which is a very scary, scary (laughs) place to be. Uh, And my first couple of years, I really felt like I was just lost. I, you know, I didn't know if I was doing a good job. I didn't know if I was in the right place. Uh, I didn't know if I was really meant to be a lawyer. And all it took was for one person to put their trust in me and for me to trust them. They took an interest in me. They said, I see potential. They started giving me more cases. They gave me a lot of feedback. They really took me under their wing. And within a couple of years, I was a totally different person. And I believe if you had asked anybody at the firm in those first two years, they probably would have said I wouldn't have made it. Like I probably wasn't gonna be around for very long. I didn't necessarily have what it took and that wasn't the case it was just i didn't have somebody who had was able to bring it out in me and then once they were you know things really started clicking and i became a superstar and then i became a partner and then you know it just went on and on and it again this article really had some of the just the best little tidbits in there but one other quote that stuck out to me and this goes to my point about my story is it said, a sense of belonging really comes down to whether or not you have the trust of your employees. And that is so true because as soon as I felt like I had somebody I could trust, I relaxed enough to show who I really was to your prior point. And I was able to really be my authentic self in the workplace and then I succeeded. But it wasn't until I felt like I could be my authentic self that I was able to really succeed to the levels that I was able to.
1: So this is the first time I've wished that this podcast was like video because then people would see me dancing in my chair when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I think that's what we always want to hear know that story that you just shared, it's someone believed on me, someone took a chance on me. And then I got to be, and here was the most important thing, I think of what you said, I got to be my authentic self. And it was that person who succeeded. It wasn't what someone else thought you should be. It wasn't what someone else wanted you to be. It was because you were being true to yourself. And that, again, goes back to the whole idea of this article, the belonging aspect.
0: Okay, so to wrap up, because I think we, we've we done a pretty good job here, uh, the best thing you can do is create a sense of belonging for your employees. Get to know your employees. Get to know them as individuals and how they work together as a team. Work on those team dynamics so that your team becomes dynamite and is no longer ready to blow. <laughs> I still love that title. <laughs> I know, I know. And show your employees that you trust them and that you can be trusted. And the easiest way you can do that is by showing that you care and doing what you say you're going to do.
1: Be your authentic self.
0: Yes, be your authentic self. Very nice. Yes, so now, as we always do at the end of an episode, we're going to circle back. And Trish, how's the wine tasting now?
1: Well, absolutely delicious. Thank you for asking. (laughs) And how about yours?
0: I would say the same, and I would be shocked if on any of these episodes, it ever gets worse. But that that would be something.
1: That would be something. (laughs) I don't think we're going to see
0: that. (laughs) I don't think so either. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us once again. We can't wait to be with you on a future episode of Wine with HR. We hope you got a lot of good stuff out of this one. Uh, And we just want you to know there is always a place for you with us.
1: Please. Make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Leave us any sort of feedback. If you have suggestions for us for future episodes, we'd always love to hear from you. Wines that you would like us to try. We would take those suggestions as well. Yes, please. (laughs) So cheers, everyone. We'll see you in the next one. Cheers.